Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Dr. Jesse Real, and today we're going to talk about um, burnout and stress, especially where it pertains to people in the helping profession and people who are caregivers, because the symptoms are pretty much the same. Your circumstance may be somewhat different or your situation. Um, For example, you may feel burned out or overwhelmed by stress as a caregiver or as a parent, but it could be that your job Um, Many of us in the helping profession also reach a point where we are just burned out. Um, I, in 2016, realized, 2017, realized that I had reached a point in my profession where I was just completely burned out. I had multiple contracts up until that time, like, I don't know, six to eight. And every one of them expected me to be on call 24-7. So it meant that I wasn't really, I didn't have time for myself. I didn't have time for other people. Um, It it was just constant and constant demand. and, And, you know, somebody was always upset with me because I couldn't do two things at once or, or three things. And then I had experienced a tremendous amount of personal stress and loss in 2015. And by 2017, I just realized that I was completely burned out. I mean, I had nothing more to give. And I took about a year off and uh, made some changes in some of the things I was doing. I dropped all of those contracts because I realized that you know, it was just impossible to expect one person to do it. And I kind of revamped, you know, myself. But it's an awful place to be. And so what we're going to talk about is how you can hopefully prevent that and how you can recognize it if you are there. So in the helping profession or as a caregiver or even as a parent, especially a stay-at-home parent, you know, you, you're, you're constantly at home, you're constantly taking care of somebody, you're constantly responding to other people's needs. And that's especially important now that so many people are stuck at home. You know, they maybe don't send their children to daycare because of COVID, or they're working from home and they're in a helping profession, and they're working from home because of, of COVID, or maybe you've had to actually start taking care of family members um, or, you know, friends or other people, and you're, you're, you're basically stuck at home. So it's really important to understand what's going on and and what feelings are probably normal, which ones may be signs of increasing problems and when you absolutely need help. So first of all, there's a term that you're going to hear, and that's compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue is extremely serious, and if you reach that point, you absolutely need help. Um, Basically, that's when you're taking on the feelings, the emotions, the trauma of other people, and you're just not able to cope. You you start depersonalizing 
which means that you don't really have compassion for what you're doing anymore. You you just you just don't care. Um, you're chronically, physically, and emotionally exhausted. Um, you have feeling that you're not equal toward the uh, relationship, which means that you you you're starting to feel really angry and resentful because you feel like that person or those people have all the rights and the privileges, and you have nothing. Um, of course, at that point, you're irritable. Uh, irritable. Um, you may start disliking yourself or disliking the job that you're doing or the people that you're serving or the person you're taking care of. It also involves weight loss. People with compassion fatigue don't gain weight. They just stop eating. Um, they have difficulty sleeping. They have headaches. And that's, it's very, very serious. Um, and at that point, you definitely need professional help. Um, to seek counseling or therapy, and if you're if you're there, be sure that the person you're you're going to see as a therapist is qualified in compassion fatigue and, and knows what it is. Um, that's a special training, so that person should have some certification directly in compassion fatigue. But we're going to talk about first of all stress. Stress basically it can be a good thing, but it can also become overwhelming. And so you have too many pressures that demand too much of your physical and mental energy. Um, stressed people can really imagine, you know, just if I could just get everything under control, then I would be okay. Then I would feel better. And so then because they come to that realization, they find ways to eliminate some of the stressors um, they don't take on as many tasks. They are able to say, no, uh, I, I'm not going to take on one more thing. Um, they increase their exercise. They focus on eating nutritional foods and drinking water. And they're able to seek support through family, friends, or find, you know, delegate. You know, I can't take on one more thing and I need somebody on my committee to to do this. Or, you know, I don't even know how to do it. And I don't have the time to learn. So I need somebody to, you know, to, to do this. Um, and they're able to problem solve. And they usually use prayer or meditation. And then once they start using these techniques, they find out that, you know, the stressors are, are decreasing. They're not as significant and they feel better. So burnout, that is most commonly associated with people's jobs and often jobs, like I said, in the helping profession. Anybody can get burned out on their job, but usually jobs that require your attention, your time, your emotions, you know, those are the ones that are going to burn you out faster. And a lot of times we don't think about it this way, but when you are a parent, especially with young children that do require a lot of attention or children with disabilities or developmental issues um, or when you're taking care of an older person or maybe somebody with mental illness, um, that's a job. It is, it's a job. And the difference in that job and another job is that it's 24-7 for the most part. 
and you may or may not be getting paid, but if you are getting paid, you're not getting paid for 24-7. You might be getting some sort of a stipend or some sort of um, in, in income to help support that person, but you're certainly not earning $30 you know, an hour or $15 an hour for you know a full-time, part-time job. So that in and of itself can become kind of a frustrating situation. Um, when you start to feel burned out, you, it, you feel that you're overworked and you feel that you're undervalued. You feel like, you know, I do this work, I work, I work, I work, and nobody really cares. Um, I don't get any thanks. I just keep doing, you know, work, 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 and people just take, 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 and nobody really cares. Um, so that's why, when, especially when you're working with people who are volunteering for you, or maybe you're a leader, you know, be sure you're recognizing the people who are working for you. Be sure you are complimenting them and and acknowledging their time because they really are putting in a lot of work. Um, other symptoms of, well, the definition of burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. And basically, it occurs when you feel overwhelmed, overworked, you're emotionally drained, and you just feel like you're unable to meet those constant demands. Um, So basically, when people are burned out, they, uh, it's, it results in reduced productivity, and it saps your energy, leaving you feeling increasingly hopeless, helpless, cynical, and resentful. And I know when I was going through that, I just really didn't care whether the calls got answered. Um, I figured, you know, there'd be somebody else to solve the problem. And if there wasn't, it wasn't my problem. And I really, I, I knew that I was feeling those things and I didn't like it, but I couldn't help it. I mean, it was just there, you know. Um, and eventually you, you're going to feel like you just don't have any more to give. You, you, all of your emotional, mental, and physical reserves have just been given up. Um, after that, you also begin to realize that all of those negative effects of burnout start spilling over into your other life. You don't have time or take time for socialization. Your immediate family or your spouse or your children starts complaining that you don't have time for them or even that you don't care about them. You discover that it's been two weeks or three weeks since you've even taken the dog for a walk. Um, those type things. It can, if you don't deal with that, it can cause long-term changes in your physical health. But you might find out or discover that I'm getting more colds than I used to, or I'm getting more flu than I used to. I, I never got the flu, and now I've had the flu twice this winter. You know. Things like that. And it, again, it's because you're just physically exhausted. Um, there's a lot of symptoms that come with it. Anxiety, depression, irritability, feeling tired and run down because you are, difficulty sleeping, overreacting to minor annoyances. You, know, you might spill a glass of milk or your child might spill a glass of milk and you go crazy. And, uh, you know, you realize that that's happening. 
new or worsening health problems, trouble concentrating, feeling increasingly resentful, neglecting responsibilities because you feel like you're so overwhelmed with responsibility, you just might not pay the bills or, uh, you know, not clean the house, things like that. Um, You might find that you're eating more, you're smoking more, you're drinking more, you start to use drugs or start to abuse pain pills, things like that. Um, You'll cut back on your leisure activity, things like, you know, you just don't do things that you used to enjoy because you either don't feel like you can or or you have the, don't have the time or you don't really enjoy it anyway. So, you know, you, you just don't do that. So there's a lot of coping techniques that, that we can use as well. Thank goodness. Um, one of the things that you have to do is recognize that you're entering a an unhealthy state. You and, and so and and that you do need to make some changes in the way you do that. People very often feel powerless. You know, they feel like they don't have any power, and, and so you realize that you're not powerless. Because what you can do, and I say this so often now, focus on the things that you can control and not what you can't. You can't control the fact that you have three children at home and they can't go to school and they can't go to daycare because of COVID. But what you can do is focus on making sure that they have, you know, time for education, time for play, time for a quiet time, which will give you time for a quiet time. Um, and, and along with that becomes acceptance. Yeah, it's really hard to understand why things happen. But if you can understand that, okay, my mom has developed Alzheimer's or my dad has severe cancer, you know, if you, if you keep trying to figure out why did that happen, that's going to be a, a no-win situation because, I mean, a lot of, a lot of things may have contributed to that. But the important thing is to begin to accept that that person has this situation and you have, for whatever reason, chosen to become their caretaker. Um, Try to feel or avoid feeling sorry for yourself or blaming other people. And it's okay to acknowledge that, you know, you're, you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling sad. It's okay to do that. But if you get into this, oh, poor me, I had to do that, nobody else can do that, you know, that type of thing, then you're going to be really in a, you know, not healthy situation. Um, It's helpful to figure out that you made the choice to provide care for that person, regardless of why. Um, Maybe, you know, you feel like nobody else could have or nobody else would have, but the bottom line is you, you made that choice to care for those, the person, or to get into the profession, to get into the helping profession. And so you can either continue on with your choice and do the best you can, or you can find another solution. Quit your job, place the person in a nursing home, abandon your children. And yeah, people say, well, people can't do that. Well, you could, and people have. So, you know, Try to focus on the positive reasons for your choice. It makes you feel better. You love your children or you loved your love your parents. You know, focus on the positive reason. And then try to look for the silver lining. Um, 
how can the situation make you stronger? How can the situation make you closer to the people that you provide care for? You know, what can you do to increase your relationship with the people that you're providing care for? So look for the silver lining. And there always is a silver lining if you if you really look for it. Um, don't let caregiving take over your entire life. It's really important for you to find and, and continue doing rewarding activities. Um, get support from friends. Get support, if you can, from family or from the church. You know, there are all kinds of volunteer services, and some of them are paid services that can be helpful. Our respite services, uh, community services, sometimes uh, in your church, people will volunteer to come in, even for an hour or two a day, you know, to just sit with the person or play with the children or whatever. Now, all of that was a lot easier before COVID, certainly. Um, so now, you know, people aren't able or willing to come into the home or that type of thing, but they still might be. You know, there are still people in the healthcare profession or nurses or retired nurses, and they're not overly concerned about um, this type of thing because they, they've dealt with it. Plus, they may have appropriate personal protective equipment as well. And so, you know, reach out, look for what's available in your community. Um, it's, it's also important to celebrate small victories. If you get through half of a day, that's a, that's a victory. If you get through a day, you know, celebrate that, reward that, and let the children know, you know, you guys have been really good this morning, and I appreciate that. Um, because, or, or let your parent know how much you appreciate um, if they haven't been quite as demanding of your time or if they've allowed you to have a, a conversation on a community call. Celebrate the small victories and celebrate it for yourself and also with and for the person that you're taking care of. Um, sometimes people really struggle because they feel like they're not appreciated. Um, you are. If you're a caregiver, if you're in the helping profession, yeah, some people will be upset with you or some people may feel angry or whatever, but don't focus on that. Focus on the people who are happy with you or do appreciate what you do. Because if you focus on the little incident where somebody blew up or somebody didn't say thank you, you're going to be pretty miserable because there are people who may not appreciate you. There are people, there are more people who don't know how to express appreciation. So, you know, they're, they're telling everybody else, wow, that person did such a good job with such and such, but they don't tell you. So, you know, be sure that you're, you're getting the appreciation that you do need, even if you're thinking about, well, you know, if my mom could really express that, she would appreciate me taking care of her and her not being in the nursing home. Or if my children were old enough, one of these days, you know, my children are going to appreciate me taking care of them or me providing opportunities for them. Now, think about it in that term, not the person's not saying thank you or whatever. Um, you can also get appreciation or appreciation reminders in small groups or support groups 
or talking to other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, you know, they can help you remember that, yeah, both people do appreciate it uh, for the most part. And then it's important to applaud your own efforts. Make a list of how your caregiving or your being in the helping profession is making a difference in other people's or somebody else's life. And just keep your list somewhere that you can refer to that. Um, because when you're feeling really bad, you can you can get that list out and, and look at, well, you know, me being able to do this is allowing us to have more because I'm not paying all these daycare workers to care for the children. Or I'm not paying uh, a bunch of providers to come in and care for my mom or whatever. Um, be sure that you're getting support from your family and friends. And a really important thing is you know, a lot of times we have difficulty asking for help because we think if we ask for help, people are going to think that we're weak or we can't do our job or we don't know what we're doing, you know. But ask for help and accept help. It's okay. Nobody expects you to do something 24-7, day in and day out, all the time. So ask for help. And there's a lot of people out there who would like to help. They just don't know that you need it or what to do or how to help you. And and you may have to be pretty specific. If you have a family member who lives away from you, you know, you could say, would it be possible for you to send a DoorDash order of dinner once a week or, you know, three days a week or whatever it is? Um, and they might say, Sure. And for those of you who missed it, here's the train. So be sure you're asking for help and you're letting other people know what you need. They may not be able to do it. They may say, no, I can't afford to send three DoorDash dinners a week, but I'll send one, you know, once a week. Oh, cool. Um, or they might say, why don't I send dinner, you know, five days a week? Something like that. So be sure that you are creative of what you need, identify what you need, and let other people know. Because otherwise, we're going to just assume that you don't really need anything. And a lot of people will, will think that you don't want or need their help at all. So, you know, just because people aren't coming in and saying, oh, what can I do for you? Or what can I do for you? And that's the other thing. When people say that, let them know what they can do for you. They have said, if I can do anything for you or if there's anything you need, just let me know. So don't assume that, oh, well, you know, they're saying that just to be nice or because they have to. Um, they're probably saying it because they would legitimately like to help and they don't know how to help. So if there's something that you can think of that they can do, you can say, well, you know, it'd be really helpful if um, you could uh, come over you know, once a week or and and sit with mom or maybe if you could bring the children over and play or, you know, give them something different to do. Be reasonable about it. You know, try to think about what would be the likelihood of that person being able to do it. But also, you know, don't be afraid to ask. And once again, if they can, they will say, sure, no problem. If they can't, they will let you know in some way that you know, they can't be, they can't uh, do whatever, but you're not going to know until you ask. Um, don't beat yourself up. 
A lot of times caregivers or people in the helping profession will beat themselves up if you're not perfect, if you don't do every little thing just exactly right. And you are not going to do everything just exactly right all the time. There's no way. And so, you know, try not to beat yourself up. Instead, ask yourself, okay, how can I do that differently or better or get better results next time? Not, oh, well, I was just a stupid person again and should have known better and yada, yada, yada. Um, Try to get as many people involved as you can. Try to recognize that, you know, you can't control what other people do. You can't micromanage. So, for example, if somebody comes in and they clean the house for you, they may move stuff, and they probably will, and they may not set it back exactly where you had it. Try to be a little forgiving about that and realize, well, you know, they they did come in and they, they cleaned everything. And you might say to them, you know, if you could put things back to the best that you can, that would be helpful because I can't find it later. But you can also pick up the phone and say, hey, where did you put my phone? Or where did you put my mail? You know, that's okay. Um, try to to spend some time to yourself. As a caregiver, you have absolutely got to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, you will not be able to take care of other people. I learned that the hard way. I was so involved in taking care of everybody else for two years that I literally neglected me. And, and I burned out. Um, it was not a good situation. So got to take care of yourself and you've got to take care of yourself every single day, which means that you have to get sleep. You have to get some exercise and you have to eat nutritious foods and drink water. You've got to do that. And you've got to enjoy some activities or do something that kind of takes you away from it. Because if you don't, you are not going to be able to take care of the other people or you're not going to be able to continue you know, your job. Eventually, it'll catch up with you. And it's a whole lot easier to prevent these types of things than it is to deal with it, I can tell you. Um, so take care of yourself and, and do seek support. So I'm going to shut up. And if anybody has any questions or comments or concerns, you know, feel free to ask. We are mainstreaming or streaming this, so be careful about the personal information. All right. Okay. <clears throat> well, this is Lynn, and okay, I was going to tell you how to raise your hand, but I think I will do it anyway. So to raise your hand on the computer, it is Alt-Y. To uh, raise your hand on a Mac, it's Option-Y. To raise your hand on a landline phone, it is Star 9. And to raise your hand on the app, it is on the right-hand corner under the more options, and it, I think it's the third one down. So, let's see who we have. All right. Connie, you may unmute. Connie, if... Oh, okay. Hi. I had to lower my hand to unmute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> because I, I couldn't get to back to that screen. So, um, good morning. Uh, let's see. I was the primary caregiver for my husband who passed away last year, and he suffered from a terminal illness and passed away. But while I was taking care of him, I um, did not do it 24-7 because I was still working. 
So in order for me to go back to work, I had to gather some resources. And so first of all, I worked with Kaiser Home Health Care Workers. Then I hired a caregiver through a caregiving agency. And when he started to decline those last two weeks in December last year, I um, actually, even before that, in October last year, we went from home health care to home hospice care. And the reason I did all this is because his wish was to be at home. He did not like the hospital or the skilled nursing facility. So I did everything I could to keep him out of this. Once he got home from the skilled nursing facility, I didn't want to send him back. So I did everything to keep him at home. And he also wanted to pass away at home. So that's the silver lining. Everything I did kept him at home and out of that hospital and out of the skilled nursing facility once and for all. And I was able to carry out his wishes and he passed away at home. So that was one silver lining. The other um, thing I want to comment on is when you said, don't be afraid to ask for help. That's really true. Um, that's why I used all those resources. But also, I asked friends and neighbors to for rides to the hospital and the skilled nursing facility because they were pretty far away. And they would, it would, it would an Uber or Lyft ride would be real expensive to get there. And we all know how reliable paratransit is. So, so um, I, I asked for help in that way. Um, a very dear friend of mine came over the last two weeks that he really started to decline in, in December and came over and helped me get him out of the hospital bed, get him to the bathroom, changed the linens, uh, changed him. So um, it's really true that, you know, it's okay to ask for help and be very specific about what you need. Because a lot of time people say, well, let us know what we can do. But if you don't let them know exactly what you need, then they don't know. And, and they don't, you know, so then you don't get the help you need. So, so that's what I would like to say. It's, it's okay to ask for help. And it was my, and I would just like to say that it was my honor and my privilege to take care of him because he helped me with so many things all, all those years. I, you know, I went from low vision to blindness. He was sighted. He drove us around a lot and he was very, very supportive all those years. So I, it was my honor and my privilege to, to take care of him. So I guess that's all I would like to say. Thanks. Well, thanks, uh, Connie. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And I think it's helpful for, you know, caregivers to share that, yeah, I, I asked for help. I got help. I, you know, didn't didn't expect to be able to do everything myself. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Allie? Hi there, Lynn. Hi, Jesse. Um Hello. Hello, um, and I'm so I'm so honored that you picked this topic this week so quickly after I suggested it last week, um, because this is very much needed. Um, my question is, what are some maybe organizations that I can reach out to for help for me? Because not everybody lives with the care recipient, um, but. Sometimes there are physical things going on with the person, mental things going on all at the same time. And there's, you know, all these things going on. It's like, oh, my God, what first? What now? You know, um, along with putting out fires of things that that person might have done. And then there's, you know, getting things prepared um, because there's going to be an upcoming surgery for them. <laughs> so, there are a variety of organizations that you can turn to. Um 
committee on aging often can do, you know, some things, and they usually have social workers and nurses who are trained to evaluate what's going on, what are the needs, and oftentimes maybe they can't provide some services, but they certainly know what is in your area and where you can get some additional help. So that would be the first thing um, to have an actual medical and uh, social evaluation as to what is needed. And then you can start looking for, okay, who provides those types of services? And, you know, nurses in the home help or if the person has hot or cancer hospice, um, the, although that's what they are trained to do. They're trained to figure out, okay, what is going on and what are the needs here? And a lot of times people are afraid to get, you know, nurses or other professionals, social workers involved because they're afraid that, you know, they'll, they'll force the person into a nursing home. But the goal is to keep people at home living in the community for as long as possible. So, you know, they don't, that, that would not be what they would initially want to do unless they realize that you, know, you just could not provide the services or you could not provide the care. Does that make sense? Uh, she muted herself, but I okay. would like—I did just because there's a little bit of background noise, but um, it, it does. And what was the organization that you named? Uh, Jesse, did you name an organization? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Um, yeah, community of on aging. Community. Oh, 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 thank you. Thank also, yeah, yeah. Um, adult or, when the Department of Human Services has adult services or adult protection gotcha. services. Um, they also have the same thing for children. So basically what your United Way can often point you to services that are available in your community. Uh, Salvation Army may be yeah. able to help, Rescue Mission, you know, just okay. anybody also, who provides. <laughs> also universities, some will have... Uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yes, they will have what's called a caregiver resource center. And mm-hmm. um, you know what, Lynn, can I call you later about that? Because that'd be good to know. Um, uh, I have to do a lot of work today. But, gotcha. Okay. Okay. But well, you know I mean, how to get a hold of me. So. Yes. Um, so Caregiver Resource Center is a good one. And um, there, they a lot of universities have things like this. Also, I just want to mention, and, and, and then we'll get back to it. Uh, I have cared for two people with Alzheimer's for years. Uh, right up until they passed and I had them on my mom and dad on hospice actually for a long time so they wouldn't have to go into hospital or nursing home the one thing is um, I'm going to say this and it may not come out very well um, because they had specific wishes on how they wanted to be treated I did not have a lot of the invasive tests done um, when they, after they were diagnosed and they really couldn't communicate. I did not have a lot of the invasive tests run, like colonoscopies and things like that, to check, like a lot of people need. I didn't do that. Um, the reason why I didn't do that is because they wanted to, you know, they had specific wishes. And so that's another thing, too, when you're caring for someone. 
you need to be aware of their wishes. And like Connie was saying, her husband had wishes. So that that's another area. And a social worker can help you with that. Uh, you need to be aware of their, their rights as far as uh, their trusts and everything else. If you are the if you have if you are responsible for that you need to be aware of that so that's you know i come from that side of it too so sorry jesse uh, <laughs> i i thought i would just throw that in there well it is good to be aware of their needs or their wishes and their desires it's also important however to be aware of when you cannot do it exactly when you can't care for that person uh, when my mom was in her situation, I could not physically care for her because I could not move her. Um, she needed a great deal of help, you know, moving from even the bed to the to the commode, and I could not do that. I, I get cannot. it. I, I couldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. And so there may come a time where you just have to simply admit that I cannot provide yes. this care, and that's okay. Give yourself permission to Yep. You recognize that because it's a whole lot better that you do that than drop the person on the floor. Well, or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't care for my father because um, he was in a, what they call a board and care. And um, that's where they have six people. I didn't care for him at home because I knew that he's my dad and he would have been just mortified and his dignity would have been shattered if I had to take care of his needs. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So he, I couldn't do that. Couldn't do that for him. Um, so that's, that's another reason to think about. Um, we do have a question. Okay. Uh, where, where'd she go? Hold on. There we go. All right, Miss Coffee. Good afternoon. Um, yes, uh, I took care of my mother for, oh, about five years, her, her last five years. And this has been some years ago. And it overall, it went quite well. I knew when I needed to get help uh, and I knew who to call for help because if she had something medical, I had at that point and still have a, a friend who is a nurse. Uh, now retired. And <clears throat> so I knew, you know, knew how to get help. The problem I had was, well, really two. One was with some of mom's siblings who I was not the one that asked them to come in. Mom did. And so the problem is they were then and still are at least the ones that are still living ignorant as to what a sightless person can do and they wanted to stay ignorant so they never asked and they would just come in and do things without asking they would move stuff around without asking they they did all kinds of stuff and and not only did they do it but for a while, we hired um, someone to come in and do some housekeeping, which did give me a break because, I mean, we lived in the same house, but I had my part of the house and she had her part of the house. And I had my hands full just 
keeping track of my part of the house and and then helping take care of her. So, but the problem was the housekeeper would come in and just do stuff without asking, uh, did you want to save this? Did you want, like if they found a little things mostly, but um, one day it was a napkin on mom's food tray. And I had just gotten the napkin out. It was clean. It had not been used. Well, the housekeeper sees the napkin on the tray, assumes it's used, didn't bother to ask, and threw it away. And if that wasn't bad enough, we were about to run out of napkins. And I hadn't had a chance to go to the store yet. So it, it's you have to, you know, you sometimes you have to deal with problems like that and and people don't want to listen when you tell them, would you please ask before you just throw something away or before you put something away, ask where it lives. So that's that's my two cents worth. Well, yeah, it can be difficult. And, you know, we all have personalities. Um, sometimes people's personalities conflict with each other. Um so, you know, it's it's really helpful to try to sit down and talk to people, especially about moving things or whatever. But it's also helpful to try to give up some of our own control, uh, some of our own ideas. It doesn't have to be exactly that way, you know. Um, so it can, it can be a real balancing act. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We do have another question, Pam. Thanks. Okay. Um. Number ending in 454. Hi, this is Judy, and I'm worried about my daughter experiencing this because she's a Title I teacher, and, you know, her mother-in-law has pancreatic cancer, and I'm, you know, four hours away. So is there a book, an article, an author, Jesse, that you would recommend I steer her towards or get for her? Well, there's an excellent um, website. It's called Help Guide, H-E-L-P. G-U-I-D-E. Okay. I think it's .org. Yeah, .org. And um, they have a lot of information about, you know, caring for people and taking care of yourself and recognizing issues that we have and, and helping people focus on what they can do, what's important versus getting locked into other other things that may not be quite as important. All right, great. That Thank you. Help. But yeah, there's all kind of resources out there. Perfect. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <clears throat> um, we do not have any more hands up. Now I say that every time I do this, <clears throat> <laughs> we have hands raised. Now let's see if that happens. Okay. I'm going to say it again. So we have no more hands. <laughs> Um, You can also get lots of resources from hospice, especially for cancer or terminal conditions. Alzheimer's Association Mm -hmm. has all kinds of stuff out there. Um, If the person has developmental disabilities, there's, you know, developmental counsel. Um, Again, universities and colleges often are wonderful resources, and especially universities, because sometimes that's exactly how their social workers and nurses and, you know, people are, are receiving their training. They they go volunteer to work for such a person, and, and they're under supervision. So it's not like, you know, you don't have any supervision. Um, but that's how they get their, their internship. So right. 
Yeah. They, they, it's usually through the gerontology department. <laughs> Sometimes um, universities will have a geriatric uh, type uh, gerontology. Sometimes if you, sometimes they'll have, you know, like she said, the nursing departments. Mm-hmm. Um, or their social work department. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that, that's always good resources. And, and they can often give you resources for where you can get help. So, you know, the, if, you, if you do the university, you may have, you know, two or three different people coming in, which can sometimes be a little chaotic. But if you get the help you need, you get the help you need. Right. And hospices, too. I mean, if you have a situation where your family member or friend is on hospice, and hospice is not a bad thing. It's, it's basically giving them dignity of life. And they, uh, they have a lot of resources because they have hospice social workers that will uh, come out and, and talk to the family. And so, because hospice is very family-oriented. So um, also very much, you know, keep them in the home as long as they can. Yes, yes, they Uh, are. Yeah, you know, keep them comfortable as long as possible. Yep. Um, And and they respect wishes. They yes may recommend that you have this or that test, but if you say, you know, I don't really want to put them through a lot more, they're cool with that. Right. Right. I've had nothing but good experiences with hospice. they're even so cool that if your dad or your mom likes to drink, they like you know, go ahead and hey, allow them to have a drink or two. That's my dad did. My dad did, and we just hey, you want a beer? Okay, no problem. I'll get you a beer. You know, it's yeah. just, that's that's the way they are. It's all about dignity. It's all about comfort, and it's all about giving the person what they need, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's six months before they pass away. A lot, you know, I had my mom and dad on hospice a year before they passed away. So, you know, it just depends. Um, I don't see any uh, hands raised. So it's um, about, it's, um, it is uh, 52. So why don't you give us some last final thoughts, final thoughts, Um, (laughs) some uh, ending thoughts and, um, you know, we will do this again next week. Okay. Well, um, you know, the most important thing that a caregiver can do is be open to help, be open to support, and take care of yourself because you've got to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. Yes. And, you know, if, if you go to one resource or go to one person and they don't seem to be real supportive, don't stop there. Find other people. Give that person a chance. And sometimes, especially when we're stressed, we get locked into small things that in the grand scheme of things don't mean a thing. It really doesn't matter. Yep. You're right. And remember this, you guys. you got to care for the caregiver. Um, I've known this. I did this for 15 years. So you got to care for the caregiver. Yep. Because if you don't, you'll end up like me. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot easier to take care of yourself and, and prevent problems. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Jesse. Go ahead. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we'll all talk soon. All right. Thank you, everyone, for coming. And thank you, Jason, for streaming. <laughs>